Hello and welcome to the 21CB thing, <laughs> your podcast for Buddhism in the 21st century with Singarava, Tarapalta and myself, Hello. as always, um, on a Sunday, sunny Monday morning, as always. Mm. Um, yeah, I think... Great to see you again. Great to see you. It's yeah, lovely. it's been a long time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I think I'll just plunge right in with a story. I oh, brought a story for you. Good. Mm. It's... Um, I don't think there's that much, well, there's some sort of Buddhist teaching in it, but I just, I kind of encountered, it's, it's, a, it's a story about one of the followers of the Buddhas, and it kind of in a very short song hmm. describes his journey uh, from an outside outcast uh, or like a lower caste member to hmm. his journey to enlightenment. Hmm. So it's a bit longer, but I think it's, um, it kind of it reads quite nicely and hmm. uh, it's, it's quite... It goes in well, uh, so I'm just going to hmm. read it to you. Um, it's part just just for you to know. It's part of the so-called Teragata, so the songs of the senior monks, hmm. um, and he is called Sunita. I don't know what that means. <laughs> okay. I was born in a low-class family. We were poor with little to eat. My job was lowly. I threw out the old flowers. Shunned by people, I was disregarded and held in contempt. I humbled my heart and paid respects to many people. Then I saw the Buddha at the fore of the mendicant Sangha. The great hero was entering the capital city of Magadha. I dropped my flail and approached to pay homage. Out of compassion for me, the supreme man stood still. When I had paid homage at the teacher's feet, I stood to one side and asked the Supreme Being for the going forth. Then the teacher, being sympathetic and having compassion for the whole world, said to me, Come, monk. That was my ordination. Staying alone in the wilderness, meditating tirelessly, I have completed what the teacher taught, just as the victor advised me. In the first watch of the night, I recollected my past lives. In the middle watch of the night, I purified my clairvoyance. In the last watch of the night, I shattered the mass of darkness. At the end of the night, as the sunrise drew near, Indra and Brahma came and revered me with joined hands. Homage to you, O thoroughbred. Homage to you, supreme among men. Since your defilements are ended, you, sir, are worthy of a religious donation. When he saw me honored by the assembly of gods, the teacher smiled and said the following, By austerity and spiritual practice, by restraint and by taming, that's how to become a Bra Brahmin. This is the supreme Brahmin. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm, just Very good need a few moments to take yeah. it in yeah, i just yeah. need to take my jacket off yeah so i'm gonna make a lot of noise <laughs> it's, it's getting, warm it's getting hot too. i know i turned the heat on mm. turn it off yeah just it's interesting to so i think the whole point of it is, is sort of i mean the background is obviously an indian one mm. with um the caste system so he, he came from a, from mm. a very lower caste 
Well, meaning that he couldn't, you know, out of you know traditional Indian view, he couldn't change much about his life. He mm. was kind of predestined to, I don't know, through a, probably what it means he he was his job was to um, clear out old flowers from mm. I don't know maybe temples or, or whatever mm. somewhere um, the markets or the markets whatever, yeah. Yeah, probably not temples he wouldn't be allowed in them but mm. um, just to sort of throw away. Um, you know things that have already faded that have lost their beauty and mm. then um and then he says you know um i have what does he say um I, I humbled my heart and paid respects to many people and then the sort of the last person he he's paying respect to is the buddha but then obviously through his practice he becomes someone who's actually being revered, revered by, by the, the gods Brahmas. well indra and brahma which yeah. are the highest gods of of hindu hindu mm. thought um mm. thought to be the highest wow yeah mm. that's quite a radical radical mm. um journey then isn't mm. it mm. even mythologically speaking yeah especially in the, i mean I don't, i'm not a great expert on indian culture but to go from what sounds like a well not on i don't know like a i don't know the whole gray date gray dated caste mm. system to go from the kind of bottom to beyond the top mm. yeah why, why did you? Sorry, why did you? I don't know. Are you so, interested? I, I, just, I was I was looking at, at those verses because um, it's a collection from from the Pali Canon. So mm. um, I don't know. I, I just I just realized I've never really looked into into those songs by the elder monks. So mm. those, those are all. It's a collection of songs of monks mm. who've already oh. gained enlightenment. Mm. So they they talk about their journey mm. to enlightenment. And mm. there's a version. There's the Terigata mm. uh, uh, for the, the for the nuns. Yeah. yeah. And you uh, say songs, does that mean they that would be sung? That would have been sung? I think it just means it's in verse, it's kind Mm. of it's written in a verse. verse And I think there was the Mm. tradition that they kind of, um, after they gained enlightenment, they Mm. would kind of, um, present their enlightenment experience Mm. in a verse Mm. form or in Mm. a song. So, (laughs) which I think you find also in the Tibetan culture with the Badra songs and all that. So, Mm. that's yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. um. Yeah, exactly. I like, think that's what what it reminded me of of Miller mm. Rapper, and just mm-hmm. sort of thinking, oh, actually, there's so much in the Pali Canon <laughs> that we that find is, in later tradition as well. Mm. Uh, it's kind of all in there in the mm. in the earliest scriptures, and um, the inspiration mm. was just like, yeah, it's yeah. probably a, a more appropriate way of kind of uh, conveying their mm. inspiration. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Mm. And just something that spoke to me in this in this in these verses of Sunita is kind of. I don't know. Throughout, it just seems like he's he's keeping his humility. Kind of, mm. he's there's there's I don't know. I just have this image of Sunita now. Who's, mm. You know, mm. he comes mm. from a very low caste environment, but he doesn't get arrogant mm. about it. And you know, when he encounters the Buddha and says, "Oh, you know, I need to then overthrow the system," or I don't know, <laughs> I need to get angry about it. But he says, "Okay, well, you know, I just sort of raise up myself, um, but still being quite uh, 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 humble." Um. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it also reminded me of, of some of the texts where um, I think the, the the Buddha in in at different um, in different suttas he kind of compared um, people who were kind of sticking to rules or mm. like kind of doing ritual baths and cleanings mm. and then always saying. Because I think that was quite popular in that time that yeah. people thought they they needed to go 
and wash away their mm. um, their their sins mm. and purify mm. themselves yeah. through going into the Ganges to to. Mm. Uh, and then he was always saying, "No, you you you're becoming a true Brahmin by kind of purifying your mind mm. and not mm. by just going into the water." So, um, and I think that's the same kind of pattern that he uses to say, "Okay, no, no, yeah. you're becoming yeah. the true Brahma is mm. through your kind of purification of your heart, and it's mm. not by um, just mm. being part of a specific caste yeah. or uh, yeah. obeying." Superficial rules. Yeah. Huh. I mean, and the Brahmin obviously being, um, yeah, the highest caste. There is almost sort of, um, you know, that they believe that they that they've been born out of the mouth of of hmm. Brahma. Is it Brahma, Brahma or is it Indra? Is 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 a Hindu god definitely? Hmm. And there, but yeah, they are almost from his from Brahma's descendants. Hmm. So there's some sort of demigod kind of um, hmm. god on earth. So that's hmm. that's what was believed. But I think. I mean, obviously, here in the West, we don't have the caste system, but I think it kind of it um, opens up the question about uh, well, conditionality, like what we are born with, hmm. and I don't know. Too easily, we say, "Well, this is just what we are born with." I mean, obviously, from just looking at the caste system, one could say, "Oh, yeah, it's a social construct," but hmm. we could just say, "Well, kind of almost the same as if you're saying, well, I'm just that kind of person that can't change," but actually, I think I think the caste, you know, if you take the caste system as a sort of metaphor for just conditionality in general um i don't know the character we bring into our lives the mm. character we developed our skills uh uh you know what we're not skilled in and sort of thinking oh well you know i can't i think it's quite inspiring to think well you can actually lift yourself out uh up and mm. lift yourself out of well your situation in general mm. yeah yeah and i i'm also thinking about the kind of um the fetter of just uh, yeah. sticking to uh, certain rituals and hmm. tradition, and just kind of because we, we we've been raised with a certain idea oh, of yeah. what religion is, mm -hmm. and kind of and as long as we don't kind of get out of that mm. and really practice, um, we're kind of trapped mm. Uh, mm. in in a certain way, like mm. or. Or you could easily think you're a good Buddhist because you mm. perform puja or you do yeah, certain yeah. things, mm. but that is not at the heart of Buddhism, or that but, will not mm. um, kind of lead you mm. to enlightenment mm. or to to being a pr yeah mm. like a true um, yeah. practitioner in a mm. sense. And right. I think there's a danger mm. as well, like uh, just ticking boxes or yeah. Uh, I was going to say yeah, I, I think that the, we're in the same position in a way because you can do. I think most. Buddhists that have been practicing sometimes for decades, you can end up well, completely without knowing it, just doing what you're supposed to do. Uh, but you, it's like you're not quite practicing. It's weird. Mm. You mm. can meditate every day in the morning, do all the rituals, do all the meetings you're supposed to do, do all the things, and somehow you're not really there or it's not really happening. Mm. Mm. And then you realize that. And then you can't, so I don't quite know what happens, but there has to be a kind of I don't know. Sometimes you've got to throw the apple cart over or whatever the expression is and see <laughs> yeah. what's actually going on, <laughs> you yeah. know, uh, and find that thread, the actual mm. golden thread, isn't it? It's not mm. reliant on just performing the actions. Mm. Yeah, and I think you need to involve your heart and your mind. I, I was just uh, reminded of a verse I read this morning uh, where uh, Shantideva um, was uh, saying that you can perform acts with your body and your speech, mm -hmm. 
ritual acts over a long, long time, but as long as your mind is somewhere mm. else, it, mm. it's it's mm. it's in vain yeah, somehow. Yeah, yeah. It's not yeah. going to lead you. But I mean, even if your mind is there somehow, you know, you can sort of do it in a way where your mind is there, mm. but you're not quite, uh, I don't know, you're so close. Mm. You're kind of mentally you're there practicing, and somehow you haven't quite tapped into the spirit mm. of it. It's like there's mm. there's a little leap or a little under or over that hasn't quite, Mm. Uh, you haven't quite got in there. Uh, I don't know who it was. It I, I'd missed. Uh, well, I didn't listen to Padma Vajra's talk on the weekend, but somebody, uh, I think Padma Sagar was saying, mm -hmm. he was saying maybe he was saying something about uh, Buddhism in a way is about yeah, refinding the path. Was it him? Like mm. you know, you, you've got to find mm. that. You've got to find that path every Yourself, day. You have yeah. to find the path. Mm. It's, I mean, maybe it's not that talk, but mm. I thought it was quite interesting. It's like that is that's kind of the goal. The the your mission in a way mm. you you don't just find the path once it's mm. like almost every moment mm. you just like, oh, how do how do i actually practice now or what does it actually mean where where am yeah. i for a start it's a con yeah. constant corrective yeah. isn't it yeah. Mm. yeah where am i yeah, yeah. yeah. How, how do i engage with this more yeah. fully yeah. somehow yeah i think there's this uh, quite nice quote um um where it says you it's not about uh, following the steps of those wise who have gone before you that will, won't lead you to enlightenment, but mm. you have to kind of look for the questions that mm -hmm. they have mm. sought after mm. instead mm. of just following what they did. Because in a way, mm. probably that's everyone has to kind of find mm. the path mm. for him or herself mm. again mm. and again by just asking the right questions mm. and mm. not just following outer mm. kind of things that for somebody worked, but probably... Mm might not work for yourself. I mean, uh, yeah. Maybe it all relates to being on autopilot mm. because in a way that is the enemy of the whole spiritual life, isn't it? Where, mm. you, where you can call yourself a Buddhist and be a Buddhist and even get ordained and you just kind of go on autopilot and you can do that for a decade and two decades and whatever. And it's like, how, how do you get out of that? Like on a moment-to-moment -moment basis, mm. how do you get off autopilot? Mm. And uh, it's really probably, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think it's a lot more demanding or a lot more intensive mm. than... I think somehow. Mm. Yeah. You know, what I find interesting in this story is that, um, well, first of all, what also struck me was the the, the, the Buddha himself, because mm. he was, it's interesting because he, in a way, Sunita doesn't tell us why he wants to get ordained. He just, he just, he just says, well, he was poor, he little to eat, job was lowly. Uh, he, I was disregarded and held in contempt, respect, paid respects to many people, saw the Buddha, um, approached to pay homage and then he just said out of compassion for me the supreme man stood still mm. so that was probably the first time in his life that someone out of compassion stood still in front of him so that mm. must have been mm. a great uh, well must have left mm. an impression on him quite a shock maybe quite a shock even, yeah. even. Mm. Um, so that, and then just the next verse is already when I had paid homage at the teacher's feet, I stood to one side and asked the supreme being for the going forth. So immediately asked for ordination just mm. from, okay, so the, so the Buddha is just out of compassion. He stands still in front of that lowly person in mm. front of him so that, so that the, the person immediately feels, uh, Sunita immediately feels, um, well seen, feels, uh, uh acknowledged, uh, on, inspired. Mm. Um, by the presence so i think there's there's something about 
well, kind of guidance or friendship or, you know, so sort of that, you know, we always talk about kind of working on ourselves, working on our mind, but I think mm -hmm. we sometimes forget about the fact that we need a lot of guidance and a lot of friendship and a lot of receptivity because mm -hmm. um, it needs a lot of receptivity to be able to, well, be so inspired by someone just sitting, just acknowledging mm -hmm. you and just looking at you uh, with mm -hmm. full of compassion. Um, but I think it's also mm. about the inspiration because yeah, yeah, that yeah. is probably the the the, the key to uh, going off, uh, leaving autopilot. Mm -hmm. If you can just get in touch with your own inspiration and yeah. what you really feel moves you or mm. like mm. kind of shakes, um, yeah, shakes you um, and yeah. wakes you up. I think yeah. then that's that's probably somewhere that's the right direction, probably. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's also not just being in the mind, but being moved emotionally somehow mm. so there's mind and heart at the same time yeah. yeah you probably need to need to have that openness mm. um to exit autopilot to be like well you you, you know they, yeah sometimes you, you are on that autopilot but then you need to oh well sometimes you just there will be um moments when you have an, you know like a like an inkling of an inspiration something happens to you it might be just all of a sudden you hear, listen to a bird and you're like, oh, wow, that's mm. really beautiful, like it's some moment of beauty or something. And you're like, oh, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> mm. um, I mean, it'll be quite tricky to to meet the Buddha uh, these days, but just so, something that mm. points towards something higher uh, might arise, just an ordinary, ordinary mm. life, and that might bring mm. you out of it. Yeah, but I think it's really, the trick is really to kind of pay attention to those moments and not yeah. just kind of... Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, to really take them seriously. Mm. There was a, I can't mm. remember who, uh, exactly the story, but I think Padmavaja was saying when Bhante was in India, he was in the slums doing these, um, well, doing loads of talks. And there was one, I think there's one guy like pushed to the front and he was like a local, I mean, like a gangster in a way, like a local thug. He just pushed everyone out of the way and like went to the front with his crew. Right. And I think Bhante said something like, oh, I'm glad you could make it or something and sit down. And the guy was so shocked that someone had treated him with kindness and actually acknowledged him uh, mm. in a positive sense that he apparently he stopped his uh, gangsterism and uh, <laughs> became an order member. Oh, wow. I thought it was really something. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like some kind of scary character. As it made me think, I saw sort of Banty in a different light in a way. It's just come, well, sort of fearless and sort of like, oh, just a genuine... Mm. Um, Well, you've got to be quite something to be able to take that on board and acknowledge mm. somebody like that and just say, oh, I'm good, glad mm. you're here, mm. you know, mm. rather than, oh, God, should I call the mm. police or, yeah, yeah. you know. It's a bit like the story of Angul Angulimala, the, yeah. the um, murderer yeah. <laughs> and the Buddha not being afraid, which I always thought, ah, oh, it's, it's a puzzle somehow that he's not running away, mm. uh, somehow that he can face all that mm. evilness mm. and mm. all the fear mm. with compassion somehow. Mm. And, and that also kind of converted Angulimala, mm. probably also because he was completely shocked. Mm. I mean, it's, and there's, there's got to be an instinct, hasn't there, then mm. for, for the person that you're talking to? Because some people, well, I don't know, they seem a bit far gone, but other people maybe on the surface, you know, you might look at them and think, well, dear, they're a bit off key but mm. actually maybe there's something in them that's really uh looking for something mm. Mm. and to be able to see that and recognize that's quite a skill isn't it to just move away to move away from one's kind of social i don't know you know the social signifiers that you're in danger or somebody's a threat or a problem or or just not really worth it and then you know that instinct to see what's actually going on with them maybe mm. Mm. 
No, that, well, that's uh, it. Really takes a lot of courage, mm. I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To kind of not, mm. yeah, to really kind of act on the the basis of compassion. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Well, just to be a sort of a symbol of compassion, almost mm. like sometimes, sometimes maybe we misunderstand it as, or oh, you need to actively kind of, mm, I don't know, do something out of compassion for for that, like I don't know, <laughs> the mm. gangster or something, and mm. then you need to kind of mm. do like be super kind to him, but mm. maybe mm. just sort of uh, almost embody mm. compassion, so that um, mm. probably don't need to do anything, but just mm. kind of you mm. being yourself mm. uh, on the back of loads of mm. meditation and mm. meeting people and sort of yeah, well, just living the Dharma life. Mm. Mm. Um, will already make you a, a sort of a symbol for something else. Uh, mm. You start to embody mm. more and more the um, ideal or mm. yeah, mm. something transcendental. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the Buddha was really just about himself, but yeah. probably it's really <laughs> the kind of highest top to kind of, I mean, to be able to kind of be yeah. just yourself in the front of, mm. uh, of somebody who's kind of, seen as a threat oh, he's to... being his non-self wasn't he but it's funny that whole thing isn't it because in a way it's like my Bandhu says isn't he? he's like saying well all he's trying to do is just uh, invite if people want to join invite them into to live a life together in a way yeah mm. Mm. Which it sounds doesn't sound like much, but it's enormous, especially mm. in the context of something transcendental in the middle. You know, like well, the Buddhism, but you just it's an invitation. That's enormous. Mm. Yeah, I, I like those description also of the um, ordination. Like the Buddha just said, "Okay, mm. come." Oh yeah, and he said, yeah. "Yeah." Then the teacher, being sympathetic and having compassion for the whole world said to me come monk hmm. that was my ordination hmm. well it's it's ihi bhikkhu in in pali and that was yeah that was i think i read it somewhere that you know at first it was ju just that just hmm. ihi bhikkhu come with me follow me monk hmm. or bhikkhuni hmm. um uh, nun hmm. uh which which was well, that's he just said well hmm. follow me and then <laughs> that was ordination. the ordination yeah. but it's interesting hmm. that he said that the teacher being sympathetic and having compassion for the whole world saying mm. so he didn't only have compassion for him but something about the ordination mm. being rooted in his compassion for the whole world is i don't know mm. something in there is quite mm. it's not just individualistic it's kind of mm. well because the world needs people who are going for refuge and i think also because yeah. with creating that sangha and creating that community yeah. somehow that was what kind of would survive the buddha's part Buddha's Parinirvana. I mm. mean, we just uh, um, mm. read the Mahaparinibbana Sutta the, uh, on the retreat the uh, week before, and I, I think that was really nice because it, it ended with this um, Ananda kind of pleading, mm. uh, asking the Buddha, mm. "Oh, stay and don't go away, uh, out of compassion for the world." And and then the Buddha uh, um, answers that he. He said, "Okay, no, but I've taught the Dharma out of compassion for the world, mm -hmm. and I've, I've, I've decided not to not to leave the world until there, there's a community that can mm -hmm. has well understood the Dharma and that can teach it, and the Dharma is well spread for out of compassion for the world." Yeah. So I think, um, yeah. So probably he saw 
creating that sangha, creating yeah. mm. that community as an act of compassion mm. in order to ensure that the Dharma would kind of continue and stay in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it needs mm. context, doesn't it? It needs a sort of, is, I mean, mm, I mean, we're so kind of, uh, we, we think, well, you know, a teaching needs to be either one-to-one -one or, I don't know, uh, through books, through words. That's how, that's how we learn things. But actually it's, well, yeah, I mean, there's great, benefit in that but also it needs well just the the lived out culture of something mm. where you can actually learn something so i think mm. just as mm. you said like you know uh, my chabandu or, i mean we have other other examples of communities here mm. where people just decide to live together and that mm. so for some reason is a much much bigger teaching mm. on mm. well how do you actually live out a life of mm. the dharma you can learn all about it in mm. books and in talks but mm -hmm. i think in a way we're trying to do something fairly well mm. not fairly very unusual yeah um especially the tree rat nurse but you know i don't I, i couldn't really speak on other buddhist movements i don't wouldn't yeah. want to say but um like you said you know creating a context uh it's not just a one-to-one -one. you don't just get one-to-one -one teachers that's that are kind of uh are set up as special i don't know as teachers in their own by themselves and they've got a small group around them and then they've got their own uh podcasts or, <laughs> or, or or books or you know it's like there's a whole i think the the, the vision is different it's like yeah. establishing a culture mm. across countries and what and that's a that's a it's quite you know it's quite unusual and if you if you uh maybe when one first comes along it's not immediately apparent either but it's a it's a huge kind of uh goal in a way isn't it mm. to, to kind of um establish the dharma uh culturally Mm. across countries even in, in the modern world it's it's not just an individualistic mm. uh i don't know salvation is the wrong word but it's not just an, it's like a you're trying to generate a culture where people can emerge from really aren't you mm. which is uh it's not that common yeah and i think it's so much easier to kind of understand certain things if you just observe people interacting because i guess a lot of what the buddha taught is just much easier to understand if if you can kind of see people acting with generosity or kindness mm. towards mm. each other. Yeah. And it's not just a theoretical thing mm. because, mm. and that's also where I think we have certain preconceptions of what religion is or mm. from the Christian background or mm -hmm. society that might stand in the way of kind of really understanding what mm. the Buddha taught. Mm. And so, I don't know. I mean, I think like some of the... Um, um schools that really focus on a teacher and i think i'm not really sure how well they work in our society in our context mm. where we have certain um i don't know certain strange ideas about what religion is mm. or mm. i don't know i mean mm. i have not much experience with no, yeah. other groups but that was something where i thought no i mean it's not I mean, I can see myself that what I grew up were kind of strange ideas about what religion is. <laughs> <laughs> can you name a few? <laughs> I'm, I'm just thinking, and I yeah. might. Um, well, it's just, I, I mean, as you say, it's kind of an atmosphere almost. Uh, yeah. You can't put a finger on like, oh, this hmm. is, but just when people, you see that with people coming into the Buddhist center here, for example, it's just, well, they sometimes behave as if, either they're coming to a yoga studio because that's what they're used to, or they're behaving as if they're coming into a sort of church. And we're not really either of those mm. <laughs> trying to create a completely different culture. 
mm. and atmosphere but it's something how mm. people how you hold yourself and how yeah. you relate to yourself yeah i don't know it's something that i probably sometimes don't really find authentic in a way the way people relate to being mm -hmm. um ex like if they want to kind of be um revere something or show reverence i think this in some um the way i grew up with i mean which there wasn't much reverence shown but when it was shown it never felt authentic like mm -hmm. coming really from the hearts of people mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it was somehow an idea of how reverence mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um mm. i don't know something really really weird and and was i think it formalized or ritualistic yeah or, ritualistic yeah. formalized yeah. but also a bit i mean there was mm. a really strange atmosphere around uh -huh. that and uh, -huh. uh so i think like really Yeah, it's just something different if you really feel like, oh, I, I, I want to revere the Buddha yeah. for what he kind of taught and for what he kind of found. And it's, and I, I really want to kind of transform myself. And this is just, a, I feel like it's, and religion is just a way not to be somehow a good person or uh, mm. whatever, but to kind of transform and to let, to overcome your ego and to kind of, to live a true, a truly, a, a really truly worthy life so mm -hmm. and i don't know i mean i that was not my conception of religion in a way mm -hmm. mm. Mm. and i guess all like there's a certain um overlap that all religion in their essence trying to create a system mm -hmm. that helps you kind of develop as an individual somehow to some level yeah. but um i mean i never thought in that in those, in those categories, kind of categories yeah yeah yeah. Hmm. yeah it's almost as if we have to um well first of all i mean we talked about that a few times now on this podcast but you know um reinvent buddhism almost um well buddhism the form but not the dharma obviously here in the west but as you, as you were saying you kind of have to do that with yourself as well because you kind of mm. your views keep coming in um and your likes and your dislikes um Yeah, I find I find that kind of project that we're engaged mm. with quite interesting to mm. sort of to, to think about okay, how, mm. how do we create mm. an authentic Buddhism mm. here in the West and mm. how do I become an authentic Buddhist as mm. well? Um sometimes well obviously, you know, traditional Buddhism has developed all these rules and sets of and forms, you know, um you know, uh ordained people look like that and you know, not ordained people look like that, and this is what a shrine room is supposed to look like, but mm. um Yeah, I mean we've we've talked about that a few mm -hmm. times, but still, um, that's an interesting. It's just an interesting path in a way. Mm. Um, it's funny because it's, I was yeah. thinking it's easier. Well, it's not easier to do than to talk about, but in a way it is because it's like you have to have your finger on the pulse, don't you? Mm. Because you are trying to create um, shared images that 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 work collectively. That you can have like icons and rituals that. Uh, Well, they probably take decades, hundreds of years to get established in the psyche. Like, so mm. you do need a kind of collective, continual practice together, and even a shared iconography. And at the same time, you can't just sleep on that and just fall into a, a, a rut and just say, "Oh, okay, this is Buddhism, Namo Buddha." Mm. You know, do all the stuff mm. uh, right. and follow the form. Because in a way, you, yeah, it, it, it's quite shocking to realize that you do actually have to re you almost have to reinvent your mm. own movement, mm. your own tradition. Mm. Mm. Uh, 
Constantly. everywhere you go yeah. and probably every class yeah. yeah every every not class in every class but every every interaction it's like you, you you're kind of trying to reinvent mm. or rediscover mm. it's not always apparent it's not in the beginning you know i think that when I, definitely when i first came along i just thought oh here's a tradition it's been going for this long and it's connected to that and this is what it looks like and i'll just sort of fit in and mm. try and work just with it what, what yeah doing, sometimes yeah. i'm like yeah. oh this is horrible sometimes i'm like oh this is great and Mm. Then I thought, oh no, actually, this is really, it's even more, mm. I wouldn't say there's pressure on you, but there's even more impetus to kind of, you, you're in a position of, it's a, it's a, I mean, in a way, we're kind of lucky because it's a really creative mm. time. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I mean, we sometimes we kind of lack a certain depth, but I'm sure it's that you probably get that in fossilized traditions where there's a complete mm. lack, of, there's a complete yeah. superficiality where you've got, it's been going for thousands of years, but everyone's forgotten the, Hmm. We've lost the, yeah, yeah. but I think we, we, we're in a, it's a potentially creative sort of period, hmm. aren't we? Yeah, and I mean, I think that was something I always really liked about Buddhism and especially Mahayana Buddhism, mm -hmm. where you kind of not stick to some kind of scripture, mm. but you, you know that you kind of in, constantly need to reinvent mm. or kind of relive the Dharma and to kind of express, it, mm. express mm. the Dharma in the conditions mm. where you are. Mm. And you mm. kind of constantly need to kind of think mm. how is it best expressed mm. in those yeah. conditions mm. um, yeah. that where we are and I think that that's something that also keeps you alive somehow mm. Mm. and mm. I, I think I couldn't practice it, uh, mm. in a tradition where you just tend on a certain mm. set of mm. Mm. Yeah. very kind of set practices mm. without any kind of creativity to kind of reinvent that yeah, well, they're kind of, you're, you're not really in a living tradition then are yeah. you because I mean And it's in the, in a way it's to it's it's to do principles, isn't it? You've mm. got rules and principles, and it was good. Lalita Ratner was giving gave a very good talk on the weekend, and uh, this whole thing of like, yeah, we don't have ten commandments. You know, we've got it's no there's no kind of authority that's uh, dishing out rules. Mm. There's there's principles, and if you've got, if, I mean, you need to know the principles, don't you? But once you've kind of absorbed them, you can be creative. Mm. It's not like you, mm. you you're stuck in a kind of uh, I don't know, tied up mm. with all these rules. It's more mm. like you've got mm. these creative principles of things that are probably best not to do because they lead this way and then, you know, the positive mm. side of that. Mm. So it's a, it's a different... I think if, you, if you've got principles, then, yeah, you don't have to worry too much about mm. being mm. stuck, yeah. actually. Mm. Yeah, and it's, it really opens up a possibility to live a creative life, which in, in essence is the Dharma life. I mean, it mm. is the most creative mm. life that's mm. possibly uh, imaginable. And yeah, so I think with all this, that's where I think it really um, fits very well with a certain longing that we have in in our society yeah. or that I used to have, um, but mm. I couldn't, I mean, I couldn't relate it to religion, yeah. that yeah, longing, yeah. but mm. I think that that's yeah. really what, what actually Buddhism is really about. So kind mm. of how to lead a creative Life, yeah, yeah, and how to and it does start with um, with your own transformation in a way. I think I think you can only build up a living tradition if you're if you're willing to well question your views all the time, but also to really apply yourself to practice. Hmm. And I mean, um, if you get stuck on the, ex I mean, I've done it myself many, many times. I still do it. You know, you get stuck on the externals, yeah. the external form of something, the way it looks, and what you perceive to be going on. Why on earth would you trade the rest of your life in for that? Yeah. You know. But then, if you get a bit under and you realize 
uh, you get a sense of uh, what's behind all that, then then it's worth, then it's kind of the most creative. Then if you get, I mean, it's like you're saying, it's in the positive, isn't it? If you feel like, oh, this is the most creative, even the strangest, most creative thing that I've done, mm, I'll just keep doing this. Mm. Uh, mm. Rather than, uh, mm, I don't know, it gets put in the negative sometimes, doesn't it? Oh, you give up this, you give up this. renunciation, yeah, but... Mm. Uh, yeah, why would you do it unless you're going to get something better? Why would you do it? Yeah, and I think also um, for not getting caught up in the externals, it's also good to kind of acknowledge that, of course, we have an ideal and we have the principles, but what is being left out is not the ideal. Mm. So I think mm. it's it's good to kind of also not, mm. um, in a sense, see that what's um, what's around you is just an expression of people's mm. aspirations somehow yeah. and what's possible in these mm. certain conditions. But it doesn't mean mm. that this is how it will be forever, in a yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I really feel like, oh, I could imagine to have a much more devotional yeah. uh, kind of setting or like mm. also have much more... Um, mm. I don't know. I mean, images, much, mm. much stronger mm. images that mm. probably we don't have now because mm. it's not the right time and it would kind of too many people uh, respond to that in a mm. frightened way. But mm. I really hope that mm. over time, my, the, the kind of uh, <laughs> Buddhism One might hopes, evolve yeah, yeah. <laughs> somehow mm. to incorporate much more mm. visual yeah, um, yeah. expressions yeah. and uh, devotional images mm. that I think need time to kind of arise mm. in our psyches mm. or like mm. we need to be mature enough mm. um as collective mm. or as a yeah i don't know but yeah but i, I think it's, it's really nice to kind of see that potential also yeah. and not kind of be stuck with okay this is how buddhism yeah. is mm. and it's always going to be like that mm. here yeah. I, I don't yeah. think so it's yeah. really um, i think probably also not yeah. to get put off by external forms as well because yeah. i certainly had it myself um, within our own tradition where I've just sit, I've sat there with my head in my hands you know just like oh my god this is I'm just cringe like total and then I thought well this isn't it this is just one manifestation of it it's fine it's mm. gone then mm. the next day it's brilliant you know but not to, <laughs> not, to, not to kind of get into it and just yeah. think okay this is Buddha this is da-. and then you sit there like oh this is horrible yeah, and then yeah. you think, no, well, this isn't it. Yeah, yeah. This is we tr- had to go. It kind of went disastrously yeah. wrong, at least for me. That. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. We not do that again. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then, and then something, and then it's something new comes through. But mm. I think it took me a while. In fact, it was a few. I think it was through friendship. There's a I had a friend of mine. Oh, where did it? It was in Bristol. I went to this. I was in a kind of. Uh, I was a bit cool in those days, and I went to um. What was it called? Buddha land? I don't know. There was this like rave thing that some of the guys had put on this cl- Buddhist club thing. And oh, I went there with a friend of mine, Cable, and we were standing there in the corner. And I was used to being in like jungle clubs, you know, like these super cool. And I just said to him, this is terrible. This is like the worst place I've ever been, man. It's so uncool. And he said, yeah, but they're having a go and you never know. It's the beginning of a culture. And maybe in a hundred years, this has turned into something completely right. unrecognizable. <laughs> Not a club, yeah. but it's yeah, this... Yeah, yeah. And I thought, oh yeah, right. That's a different way to look at it, uh-huh. rather than like this is just totally cringe. You yeah, know? yeah. it's actually yeah. Oh, maybe it's going somewhere. Yeah. It's just yeah. people's little attempt. You know, we're yeah. trying yeah. trying to make it work. Yeah. 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 Anyway, shall we go yeah, to the next? Yeah, we can move, move on. Who's next? Do you want it? No. Shall I go? go? Yeah. Okay. So I brought some verses from the Bodhicharya Avatar mm. again. 
The Training Handbook for Future Bodhisattvas, written by Shantideva <laughs> in the 8th century. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I, I brought two um, a bit provocative verses. Oh, so oh the first God. one is, <laughs> Happiness is scarce, suffering persists with no effort, but only through suffering is there escape. Therefore, mind be strong. And the second verse is... Oh, it goes on. It goes on. <laughs> the virtue of suffering has no rival since from the shock it causes, intoxication falls away and there rises compassion for those in cyclic existence, fear of evil and a longing for the conqueror. Jesus. Oh, literally. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, so, I, so what's the difference between that and uh, the holy, holy Jesus? I mean, yeah. I mean, that's that's why I think it's a bit um, provocative in a yeah. sense because it goes against what we might think. Mm -hmm. But um, can you? I think I can we, read I need, the first one again. And then we again. can. Yeah. So happiness is scarce. <laughs> suffering persists with no effort, but yeah. only through suffering is there escape. Mm -hmm. Therefore, mind be mm. strong. Mm. It's good. Yeah, yeah, well, that's kind of true. <laughs> In a sense. Yeah, you can't argue with that. Can't quite argue with that. Can't quite argue. And mm. I, I think, I mean, I, th I think this was one of the first verses from uh, this text that kind of really stuck with me, mm -hmm. stuck with me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because somehow... In all those very unpleasant moments, mm -hmm. it came to my mind again. <laughs> oh, and I oh, just no. thought, oh, oh no. <laughs> Happiness is scarce, suffering persists mm. with no effort, but only through suffering is there escape. And I, I mean, I wonder, because I think I've, I've certainly had a few moments in my life where mm. I thought, ah, uh, I mean, where I really suffered. And mm. I think actually they were quite. Um, mm. They were quite uh, instrumental or mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. uh, very important in a way of kind of shifting. Mm -hmm. And we so probably I, need to unpack all that, though, don't we? Because yeah, it's not just suffering for suffering's sake, is it? It's not like there's any virtue in suffering. No, not no. not not in just suffering no. and not changing, but yeah. to kind of experience suffering in a sense of um, kind of seeing that there is suffering mm. and that life is coming to an end at some mm -hmm. point. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I guess it's more like seeing yeah. the uh, the truth of uh, mm. suffering. I mean, there has to be some kind of faith, mm. doesn't there? Or some kind of, uh, you've got your eyes somewhere else as well. It's not because, mm. I, 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 you know, yeah, I mean, it's easy just to clarify, isn't it? Like with that suffering, because Buddhism is not saying there's any virtue in suffering. Mm of itself you're not going to get anywhere good just by self-flagellating yeah. and beating yourself up and things like that but it is it I, I mean that it's definitely i don't know i've had that same experience where the suffering comes but uh in a way i think that's why uh when you're having a good day that kind of you read stuff like that you think mm. but and when you are actually squashed into a corner you do find out what you believe in a way you find mm. out what your refuge is and then and my experience has been sometimes when I've been squashed, like like properly squashed, not just like having a bad day, but just feeling like, oh, this is horrible. Uh, if I've, I, I get desperate. 
and then it's like the raft isn't it this, mm. you just mm. jump on the raft again you're clinging on for dear life mm. but then in a way you get desperate and then you bring the buddha to mind and then if that's what you're going to do and then i think that it comes through doesn't it and you get mm. you get put into a different um different space that you weren't in before that you couldn't even imagine being in because mm. you, the, the pressure wasn't there mm. so there's some sort of faith you just think oh, i'm done yeah i'm cooked there's nothing i can do here I've really lost it, it's rubbish. And then you bring the Buddha to mind and all of a sudden, well, in my experience, I mean, something's kind of calmed down. I've just been like, oh, right, that's what you're saying. Mm. And it's almost like a completely different world. It's not, you're not getting all your usual pleasures and happiness and keep buoying yourself up and, or, you know, making, trying to get all the conditions in place to make you happy. It's like, that's not really working anymore at the moment. And you get pushed into a different, almost a different realm. Mm. But I mean, all that does depend, I think, on, on one's... Um, well, one's level of uh, I don't know engagement or mm. how much you've how much do you actually have the Dharma in your consciousness at that point because otherwise you can just spiral out downwards. Yeah. I mean, I, I um, it just reminded me of the like the human realm mm. as compared to the God's realm where you have just pleasure and where it sets okay. You can't, it's really difficult, like from the God's realm to kind of um, mm. Uh, mm. get enlightened uh, because somehow it's so pleasant mm. that mm. you probably don't mm. make enough effort mm. or you, you don't see why. Yeah. So, and only if you have a good combination or like you have mm. both um, suffering and pleasant experience mm. in the human realm that. Yeah, those are the conditions that you need in mm. order to kind of mm. develop and um yeah so it's to do with sensitivity then because i think you can live mm. a fairly regular human life and still really be aware of suffering can't you yeah. like in a positive sense like you don't actually necessarily have to su have acute suffering perhaps mm. in order for suffering to be a motivating factor you know mm. you can see it you can feel it and uh and do you know what i mean yeah, I mean, mm. yeah, in in a sense, probably because I think it is also said that in the in the like realms of the I don't know the the pretas, the mm. hungry ghosts, where the suffering persists, it's really difficult. Mm. So I guess if you are in a constant state of suffering, mm. it's really difficult to have enough mm. positivity and yeah. actually to escape. Mm -hmm. So it's probably really kind of the mixture mm. of mm -hmm. positive experience, mm. but also the sensitivity. Mm. Which is um, probably why you've got, I mean, there's a there's yeah. a whole emphasis, isn't there, in our own tradition in a way of integration and posit mm -hmm. positive mm -hmm. emotion. So yeah. in order to, probably in order to experience suffering and it to bring, uh, that m for suffering to be the motivating factor, you probably need do need some kind of, you need some kind of uh, level of uh, being together, actually, mm -hmm. and emotionally positive, so that when you do actually suffer properly, it doesn't mm -hmm. just crush you. Mm. Uh you know, you don't just get, you don't go spiraling down, you kind of open mm. perhaps. I was just thinking that, I mean, there's probably different layers of suffering and, mm. and layers of happiness. So you're saying you can probably be aware of suffering without being kind of, you know, necessarily living in a hungry ghost realm. I think mm. there's just layers of what we, what we call suffering, I suppose, you know, living in a hell realm or, or being in a sort of mental state that is, is like that, like hell, like... Mm. Hungry ghost that probably is um, much more. Uh, there's much more in depth kind of suffering or existential suffering, whereas, um, or maybe even more physical suffering, even. Um, 
Whereas I was, I was just thinking, listening to that, that could, that could actually be quite inspiring or kind of relieving as well to hear. Mm. Like, oh, happiness yeah. is scarce. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, great. <laughs> I don't need to yeah, yeah. put pressure on me all the time to yeah. be happy all the time. Yeah. I don't know why, but I think there, sometimes I do, mm, when I'm not happy, I, there is this view coming up sometimes thinking, oh, well, I'm supposed to be happy. Mm. Or I'm supposed to be in positive mental states. Mm. Um, Well, this but something whole, yeah. what mm. sometimes I think we are misguided in thinking what a positive mental state is because a mm. positive mental mm. state in Buddhism mm. could also be one that is aware of suffering mm. and that it might even be a bit melancholy mm. or sad. Mm. Yeah, but, you mm. know, there's there's a kind of awareness there, isn't there? Yeah, mm. there's awareness. There's it doesn't have to be. Um, you don't have to feel fulfilled all mm. the time. So I was just thinking, actually, that's. I mean, it sounds grim, maybe at, mm. at first sight, but actually, mm. it could also just be quite relieving to hear <laughs> when yeah. you feel. When you feel like, well, you don't have to hunt after happiness all this time. It's just, it's scarce. Well, the whole teaching of samsara and the wheel, Mm. I found it, uh, (laughs) not to be grim, but I found it a relief. Mm. I was like, oh, right. It's not like I've done something wrong Mm. with my life and I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm Mm. a particularly useless kind Mm. of civilian that doesn't get any happiness. You know, it's not, it's actually, this world is actually quite difficult Mm. and uh, very difficult sometimes. Mm. And just to acknowledge that. Yeah, it takes the pressure off and then you can do something about that, can't you? Mm. I mean, I think oh, the, the, there's quite a lot of studies, aren't there, you know, in terms of the whole Instagram, uh, Facebook culture where people are uh, presenting themselves as being happy and living living the dream. Uh, it's creating a lot of suffering because mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. it's not really real and people just, mm. com- we compare ourselves to people that aren't actually who they say claim to be and mm-hmm. it's very difficult. Mm. I think when you're not living in a culture that acknowledges the fact that there is suffering, but then, uh, the, but then it flips as well, doesn't it? Because you get people that acknowledge the suffering, you get the whole thing, and then it all just becomes your whole life is about suffering. Mm. And uh, we have to do something about suffering, like in a really kind of angsty sort of way. And it's like, yeah, it's the middle way. Mm. Middle yeah, and way. I think it's, uh, I um, for, because I think for me that was also quite, um, those lines were quite, um, What's the word again? Uh, trusten, um, um, reassuring, maybe. Reassuring, or, or so, I know there's a word in English, yeah. but I can't <laughs> recall it now. So, um, comforting. I comforting. think is the word. Yeah. Comforting. Uh, so yeah, I think because it also says okay, but there is escape through suffering, and I think it this escape is there also when I can kind of stay with the suffering mm, mm. and just sit there and then see that it kind of changes or like my experience might just calm down or what you've described Mm. with bringing the Buddha to mind or just being aware and trying to Mm. kind of sit with it and acknowledge Mm. the fact that there is suffering, but Mm. then also to see that it's not my, it's not, not all of my experience is suffering. Mm. So Mm. at the same time, there are positive um sensations it's funny when you're suffering you don't want to hear that do you it's like Mm. that's why buddhists can be really annoying because you're kind of like you're not having a good time and you think Mm. oh everything's terrible and someone says oh is that all there is to your experience you're like oh just leave me alone yeah Mm. (laughs) it's just like and then you look and it's like okay it's not oh no i don't want to get out of this i was sort of sitting here in my suffering and now i've got to move out of it and do some work because apparently it's not all Mm. suffering But yeah, mm. I think, yeah, it's interesting because it's not just a lump, is it? It's not just a lump mass. Mm. You don't just have suffering. You have some, something's really unpleasant and then you switch off and then it all just becomes a kind of singular monolithic block of suffering. But actually mm. it's not at all, is it? There's, mm. 
I, I, I'm really genuinely sometimes Buddhists are just really annoying because you just want to suffer and it's like and it's like <laughs> oh you, yeah what's going on you're like oh no yeah mm-hmm. there's more and maybe I can do something oh mm-hmm. no yeah, yeah. I don't want to do yes, something ethics, yeah. I mean it's yeah. interesting because those verses uh, they belong to the chapter on patience on forbearance uh-huh. so um, yeah I think it's also kind of mm. okay yeah mind be strong so mm-hmm. um, stay with it and Acknowledge the fact that not everything will be pleasant. Mm. And from the perspective of the future Bodhisattva, of course, I mean, it's, I mean, there will be, even if you act and if you practice Buddhism, mm. there will still be things that you can't control mm-hmm. and that will un- be unpleasant, like mm. people not being friendly to you, mm. people insulting you, like in mm. the case of Shantideva, that he kind of, I mean, mm. he quotes a lot of interesting incidents where <laughs> monks kind of uh, steal the food of each yeah, other or whatever yeah, yeah. so i mean not mm. uh or, or also even like kind of being patient with the conditions that we have right now and mm. the kind of i mean if you have a longing for for something different just to acknowledge the fact that it's n- it needs time to kind of change or to come mm. into being and yeah so mm-hmm. and that that might also be suffering and it's not in the sense of i don't know psychological suffering but it's it might just be a, an unpleasant experience mm-hmm. if you kind of have a wish or longing for things to be in a different way even in a positively mm-hmm. spiritual mm-hmm. way mm-hmm. but yeah it's funny though isn't it because yeah. when you're in the middle when your practice is going well you just think oh i'm overcoming um, you somehow think you're overcoming samsara, you're getting enlightened just by having lots of pleasant experiences. You like having pleasant experience of meditation and you're mm. generally sort of happy and you think, oh, it's gonna, it's gonna be like this, now I'm on, the, I'm on the path. But in a way, by doing that, you're introducing, well, I th- someone was talking about, was it? Um, I don't know, anyway, you're kind of waking Mara up at a certain point. Yeah. Uh, you'll be doing something to yourself with all your positive activity that would inevitably lead you to some sort of suffering and crisis, uh, mm. which is the point somehow mm. uh, to get. Uh, anyway, it's not the point to suffer. I'm just saying exactly what I wasn't saying in the beginning. Now, anyway, you know what I mean. Uh, probably yeah. <laughs> crisis is in a way, or cri- crises are unavoidable if you mm. want to change. Because yeah. I mean, yeah, to let. Uh, images of yourself or restricted versions of yourself go i mean will also will always require a certain moment Mm. of crisis Mm. somehow Mm. so it's 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 probably not it's probably a wrong view to kind of think that the dharma life is very pleasant Mm. i mean it is much more pleasant in a sense than normal worldly life it should be pleasant (laughs) not always yeah, it should be joyful. I think that, yeah, I mean, I, and I guess, yeah. the, but I also feel like that the level of joy and um, gratitude and all that mm-hmm. also depends on the level of suffering that we kind of acknowledge. For sure, or, yeah. yeah. So somehow, yeah. like, there's a depth of emotions mm-hmm. that, where I felt like, okay, if I if I can acknowledge suffering in my own experience, I'm also much more um, able to kind mm-hmm. of... Uh, be much to kind of be more grateful or more positive in uh, yeah like somehow this seems to be related mm. in, a, mm. in a sense yeah mm. it's interesting isn't it because in a way i think the whole thing also relates to what sangharachita 
sort of said a few times about actually becoming human first. Hmm. You know, uh, you need a human, <laughs> you need to become fully human uh, in order for suffering to actually be able to transform into something, hmm. to open a door, hmm. which is not, uh, it's quite interesting, isn't it? It's a bit humbling when you look at yourself and you think sometimes you're not particularly human, you know, you're kind of hmm. in an animal realm or like you say, all these different realms, hungry ghost and it's not the realm that it's going to, it's going to uh, happen in. Hmm. Yeah. It's quite interesting, isn't it? I mean, you could yeah. actually have those six realms in mind in your life. And then when you're suffering, you could actually just say, well, where, or not suffering. Or maybe when you're just like, you know, mm. totally blissed out, mm. in which realm am I in here? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. What was, what was the second half of the... So the second verse was, the virtue of suffering has no rival since from the shock it causes, intoxication falls away. And there arises compassion for those in cyclic existence, mm. fear of evil, and longing for the conqueror. So he says that, um, so there are four things that happen. Um, <laughs> first of all, <laughs> intoxication falls away, which I think is a, is, is a bit, it's probably related to the four reminders or like really seeing that, um, mm -hmm. um, I mean, that our life is not going to go on forever mm. and that we're going to die and mm. that we're going to age mm. and somehow that we all experience suffering mm. and that that is an ex existential kind of um it's almost already an insight into suffering rather than suffering itself yeah right? it's that more it like an ins yeah. or, or the, at least the awareness of suffering rather than mm. i mean he's, just he's, because you suffer mm. your, your intoxications don't fall away no no, no but so that's, it's, that's it's what already, i was saying yeah. is, he, is he you know with Is he? I mean, he's basically talking to people that are seriously practicing, isn't yeah, he? Sure. Yeah. He's not talking to just like no, no. any old Tom, Dick, and Harry. Like, oh yeah, mm. if you suffer, intoxication will fall away. He's like, well, that's not true. Mm. No, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's you talking know. to people, of course, because that is one of the six yeah. perfections. And he says, okay, you should practice forbearance and mm. patience, and that will always include suffering because life in mm. cyclic existence will include suffering. Mm. So just. So his advice, in a way, in suffering, though, is not like a metaphysical statement, is it? It's no. like he's talking to people. It's not saying suffering will uh, lead to intoxication falling away, full stop. It's more like mm. he's sort of talking to people that are already really in, immersed in the Dharma and mm. looking mm. to practice. And it's he's kind of... Of course, yeah. Yeah, he's telling them yeah. about suffering from that level, in a way. Yeah. I guess you can... Yeah, I think if you already have a certain degree of practice behind you, sometimes you can... Mm, not be aware of the subtler kinds of suffering maybe or you mm. you you sometimes can almost be become sort of complacent or something because you don't really um you say oh well oh sure you know well i've meditated enough i you know i can indulge in mm. this that or the other you know mm. I'm, i'm i'm aware enough or you mm. know i just do it a bit or i don't know i'm trying to get at something here mm. but maybe not even intoxications or distractions but even lifestyles or mm. something mm. or mm. certain ways of being like you always need to look out for the oh yeah for the next suffering so to speak that oh, you're yeah. putting onto yourself I mean, it sounds a negative way uh, to put it but i think yeah. you're 100% right for me i think personally for like for me one of the, my biggest life lessons in a way was just completely not seeing the necessity for conditions like yeah for seeing you know just you get used to a certain level of mm -hmm. um positivity or, yeah You get. You just think you. You don't even think about it. You. You. you well, that's exactly the thing. You don't even think about. It. You become someone else. Yeah. And that's you. Mm. And then you change all your conditions on that basis because you feel good now. Mm. 
and you're in a completely different conditions mm. and in within six months you're not you anymore mm. you're someone else and you're suffering a lot yeah i thought oh wow it, it was like a little for me it's been i've had that little light bulb moment before you know <laughs> just like throwing myself in completely crazy conditions off the back of quite intensive practice and then almost being shocked like mm -hmm. oh my god i'm in a terrible state of mind and i'm mm. deeply unhappy and that's mm -hmm. not shifting mm. and it's like well look around you the people are different the whole place is different it's conditionality it's like the, it's like the, the whole of buddhism isn't it like things arise on conditions and if the conditions aren't there for your happiness don't just assume you've got insight like you're just some enlightened character that's oh yeah i'm super enlightened now mm. that's probably the worst mm. assumption you could mm. make mm. you know i don't mean that in a negative way I'm sure we do make progress mm. but to just assume that you're quote-unquote wise and compassionate it's not mm. a good idea mm. <laughs> And I think also this, there's a danger to kind of, um, if you see conditions and you, of course, you, you actively can change that. I sometimes also um, c catch myself that I kind of try to fix samsara in a way mm -hmm. because you, you feel like, oh, it would just require mm. yeah, this yeah. and this yeah, yeah, to yeah. make it better and more yeah. pleasant or yeah, then yeah, it yeah. would work. But yeah. of course, I mean, this is a false view um, mm -hmm. because... You think you can fix samsara, yeah. but you you can't because I mean there's mm. just suffering. But we do. And We've already. Just, we, yeah. yeah. I mean, whether you mm. believe, I mean, we're all bought into that. Mm. I believe I can fix samsara. Otherwise, it wouldn't have an iPhone, iPad, <laughs> X amount of stuff. You know, there's mm. a certain view that you mm. can fix fix this yeah. thing, make and it a bit better. Yeah. We're, we're we're mixed beings, aren't we? Mm. Like sometimes uh, it's really obvious you can't, and then sometimes you just like you just think, well, if I live a kind of uh, fairly okay middle class lifestyle uh that's sort of fixed isn't it mm. samsara is fixed a bit and mm. uh it's not what Everything buddhism is saying. Good, yeah. Yeah. not saying that we should throw all our stuff away mm. no but i think sometimes it's also like okay you're in unpleasant situations with uh difficult conversations and then i mean i i notice that sometimes i can have the idea of oh okay if only mm. i don't know the 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 group of people would be different or if <laughs> yeah, only yeah, yeah. like i mean this is mm. then then everything would be fine mm. and we could really practice or mm. whatever mm. but mm. i mean this is just i mean mm. it's just samsara so mm. it's, well. it's, it's easier to acknowledge <laughs> that um yeah yeah. It's, yeah. Not, uh, it's a fine that's a really interesting fine topic line, isn't though it? isn't yeah. it because between yeah between changing your conditions mm. yeah that do need changing in order to free up free you up and kind mm. of create uh, something uh, into your experience that uh, is actually going to take you into a more transcendent realm and actually just fiddling with things and just complaining. It's like there is a, mm. there's a fine balance, isn't it? Yeah, but I think here, um, I mean, I, I definitely think it's really important to change conditions in order to kind of live mm. um, a Dharma life. Yeah, yeah. But then I mm. guess because he's also, um, Shantideva is also uh, talking to people who've who are on that path mm -hmm. and then kind of reminding them that mm. still um, suffering is happening, yeah. patience is needed yeah, and yeah. It's, it's not all going to be fine and easy. Mm. And, no. and yeah. so, mm. so what was it? So intoxications so, fall so away. So that's the first one. Then compassions for those in cyclic existence arises. Mm. So mm. yeah. So and turning think, towards suffering. Yeah. Obviously uh, compassion would arise. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you can really see yeah. suffering in your mm -hmm. own experience, mm -hmm. and I think, I mean, that's a lot yeah. what uh, all the bodhicitta training is about, like mm. to kind of really kind of be open mm. 
for the suffering in this world mm. in order to kind of respond with compassion. Mm. Yeah. So, and I, I mean, I do feel like it's true that if I can resonate with somebody's suffering because mm. I can get an emotional sense of how it might feel mm. to be in their shoes, mm -hmm. somehow it's easier to, to kind of respond mm. with compassion mm. and not just with aversion or whatever, like, oh, I don't, Yeah. Yeah. Even if it's a painful kind of situation. Mm. Yeah. Because yes, I think ideally through Buddhist practice, I mean, we do the development of loving kindness meditations. Um, mm. Sometimes you 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 think that, um, or sometimes people say, "Oh, I can't." You know, I'm a bit too thin, or I can't sort of let you know all these emotions to me because you're trying to you know imagine all sorts of people. Mm. But I think ideally through through Buddhist practice, you you become bigger as a person. And you, uh, you're actually more and more capable of facing suffering, I think. Uh, I mean, it's a long, long, long game, but both kind of loving kindness, but also then wisdom inside. Mm. Well, you know, what do you expect? There's, you know, happiness is scarce. You know, like to reflect on that, actually, I think it, it makes you, makes your heart grow bigger. So you can actually face, face more and more I varieties was, um, of suffering. Yeah. I was thinking, isn't it? It's interesting though, you're saying about uh, those, uh, well, like the Brahma Viharas, they're called those four practices. And, you know, like the, the contemplation of, or the awareness of suffering is one of them. Mm. Uh, and I do find sometimes it's easy, it, temperamentally, it's been easier for me to um, plug into that somehow, you know, <laughs> slightly melancholic, and, <laughs> uh, which is fine, you know. Mm. But then there's also that sometimes I think what my, myself and other people actually can find more challenging is like uh, mudita, isn't it? Mm. It's like someone's experiencing joy mm. in just a straightforward, uh, I don't even like using this word worldly, but in a straight, just in a straightforward sense, yeah, they're having a nice ice cream or mm. they're having a good day and to actually really rejoice in that as well, to be mm. like, oh, right, that's part of life as well. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? To really see that. Um, that's, I, th I think some ways for quote unquote religious people, mm. that's more difficult. Mm. Mm. You know, it's much easier to just get into the kind of mournful um yeah sorrowful kind of religiosity mm. rather than actually seeing people that are just genuinely happy mm. it's like i haven't done anything to earn it in a way they're just having a nice ice cream maybe they have and the sun's out and you, mm. you you know to look at them and not just feel like oh well you'll suffer you're you've eaten the ice cream now but the suffering's coming you know and actually just to look and think oh this is really happy this person's really happy i find that more challenging sometimes yeah. frankly Yeah, yeah, it's interesting because I've I've been on a Brahma Vihara retreat a couple of years back and it was interesting to notice that actually emotionally people were much more disturbed when doing the mudita practice. <laughs> people started crying. It was really interesting to yeah. kind of see how much, <laughs> what you described. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, it was really kind of apparent there. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, something I... Disturbed. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like uh, I just um, a while ago read and I thought it's interesting that um, Nala, um, a Buddhist monk uh, who teaches also a lot of Brahma Viharas, he, um, he said, it's interesting because um, uh, compassion like a, and the Karuna practice is like um, just seeing the um, suffering in somebody else, it would more be like a reflection on suffering. So this is not mm -hmm. like seeing the suffering and mm. kind of also contemplating the suffering as suffering is not compassion mm. 
So compassion would really be to oh. kind of wish them that they find relief mm. and mm. that mm. they would mm. get the means mm. in order to kind of relieve the suffering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought that it's kind of, it's really interesting mm. to kind of distinguish the two things mm. that of course you need to kind of contemplate suffering somehow mm. and, and, and um, recognize suffering for yeah. what it is. Mm. So yeah. that, but that is the first step. And then it really requires a kind of positive mm. outreaching attitude. Mm in order to kind of um, wish people mm. that their suffering may mm. end. Mm. So it's, yeah. like a, it's like a power. It feels yeah. almost like a magic power that sometimes, mm. you know, when you can pull it off. I don't know how you do it, but like either just intentionally with a mantra or however you do it, where you, you can kind of do that. It feels like, you know, like you're a wizard or something. You've mm. got some kind of, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you've not just seen something, but you're actually able to put a charge into the atmosphere. Mm. Oh, it feels amazing. Yeah. It's really something. Mm. It's, it really does feel like a power somehow, mm. and you can't force it. And you can't do it around being a wizard. <laughs> you know what I mean? But mm. it's there's something to it. Yeah. It's got a magical kind of quality. Like mm. you say, it's not just reflective. It's not just a sense of wisdom and like, all oh, right, this is the way the world is. There's a kind of other side to it, isn't it? Which is probably partially to do this whole thing of why you know, in terms of the inspiration behind it, like the aliveness and the. Mm. Is it's got kind of got a living force to it that you can actually mm. develop and engage in. Mm. It's really ex exhilarating, actually. Yeah. It's like a secret mm. thing. You kind of, you kind of know you're doing it, or someone else knows they're doing mm. it. And you can you can feel it from them, and or they can feel it from you. And you say, "Ah, oh, this is really interesting." Mm. No one's saying anything about it. You can't talk about it really, yeah. but. Even though we're talking, and about normal it. people wouldn't know. I mean, it's yeah, a it's real great. secret. Yeah. <laughs> oh. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. What's the top? What, what time are we on? Do with the wrap up soon. Mm. Great. Just the last bit was then longing for the conqueror. I love that. Mm. Yeah. What was it? Yeah. I mean, it's fear of evil, which is actually, of course, I mean, that's the the third one. Um, is of ah. course like ethical behavior in yeah, a sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You 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 really kind of mm. notice that you need to kind of behave mm. ethically in order not to suffer. I mean, Good because you see, yeah. yeah, because yeah. you see that you will, yeah. it will kind of create suffering for mm. yourself. So. No. I guess that's that's mm. emotionally quite effective, mm -hmm. Mm. and of course, and then the longing for the conqueror, which is Shratha, or which the is longing lang for the conqueror. It is real. So it's um, the person, yeah. It's the, the conqueror, the person. The yeah? conqueror. Yeah. I mean, the conqueror is probably the the, the, yeah, Buddha. the Buddha. The Buddha, obviously, the mm. enlightened one. Mm. The enlightened one. So it's longing. Mm. It's in in terms of Shratha development. Mm. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. I was just struck by the fact that you're longing for the conqueror, and not longing for enlightenment or mm. well it's the same but <laughs> but as in it's a personalized mm. thing mm. rather than you longing yourself to be to become the to become the actually, well, that's actually yeah. in a funny way what you just said in a way that's the kind of key to buddhism yeah. just key to buddhism you notice it when people get it yeah. it becomes personal it's not just an idea you don't just yeah who's longing for enlightenment no one. No. Mm. no one's walking around longing for enlightenment it's like you know it's like you actually because in a way that it sounds almost selfish, like. Yeah. But mm. you do you when you notice that yourself, you know, there's a moment, isn't it, where you kind of, it becomes personal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like, and then something's changed, and it's. I normally notice it. Well, with, I've noticed it myself and others in a way. It's, it's sometimes to do with pujas as well, like pujas, mantras, rituals. There's a certain click that you may have had all the study groups in the world and blah blah blah, but there's a certain thing that goes in. You know, oh, right, some people are starting to. Mm -hmm. There's something personal there, mm. an atmosphere to it. Mm. Yeah. yeah. 
just longing for longing for the, the other shore for the yeah. Buddha to smile mm -hmm. to uh, like with Sunita oh yeah <laughs> yeah smile at you and what was it I just from the last thing mm, that was nice that the Buddha smiled mm. at him yeah so we left off with the ordination so I'm just going to read the last mm. verses after the mm. ordination Staying alone in the wilderness, meditating tirelessly, I have completed what the teacher taught, just as the victor advised me. In the first watch of the night, I recollected my past lives. In the middle watch of the night, I purified my clairvoyance. In the last watch of the night, I shattered the mass of darkness. At the end of the night, as, as the sunrise drew near, Indra and Brahma came, and revered me with joined hands. Homage to you, O thoroughbred, homage to you, supreme among men. Since your defilements are ended, you, sir, are worthy of a religious donation. When he saw me honored by the assembly of gods, the teacher smiled and said the following, By austerity and spiritual practice, by restraint and by taming, that's how to become a Brahmin. This is the supreme Brahmin. Well, maybe that's a good place to leave yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. See you next time. Yeah. Great. Bye-bye. 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 <laughs> Ciao. <laughs> Ciao.